Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. What an amazing God we serve. It is an incredible time for us to be together. He is so good. Miss Jennifer's back there in the back to take those of you that are part of the youth group to head downstairs for your, uh, your class there, if you would. So if you follow her down, that'd be great. And thank you for doing that. All right, so, you know, there's a lot going on. This is the Advent season. We're coming into Christmas, and uh, so one of the things is next Sunday, you see the little papers that are on the seats. There's more outside uh, for the Winterfest. If you would invite some people to come out with you, this is our very first time doing one of those, and so we would love to have you be a part of it. We're also doing a baptism in a couple weeks, so if you need to be baptized, want to be baptized, if God's calling you to be baptized, please fill that form out. It's on our website and or the app, and you can download the app by just going over there with your smartphone and flashing that little QR code that's by the uh, sound booth. So those of you that are online, you know it's available to you right there at the website where you signed in, so please do that. It's an amazing time of year. Blessed to be here with you. God is amazing. He is uh, incredibly working in our midst. Did you spend at least five minutes a day, at least five days last week reading or listening to God's Word? All right. This is a accountability questions in case they didn't know that. I know the cafe is not open and we appreciate those guys when they're here and today they weren't able to be here. We had a few people not uh, able to make it so if you'd like to sign up to help that'd be great. Uh, we can keep that open. It'll be open next week just this today didn't work. So did you spend some time alone with God this week with no agenda? You know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? Are you giving as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? Did you share Jesus with someone this week? You invite someone to church with you today? All right, this is what it's all about. It's about living the faith and sharing that faith, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And today is the very first Sunday of Advent, as you know. And this Sunday is uh, the Sunday of hope. So, touched on a little bit of this last week when we were talking. And today marks this first Sunday of Advent. And the whole purpose of this, or the idea behind it, is to help us as Christians to not allow the rush of the world, the things, the hecticness of life, and all the things that are happening around us to get us on a path of chaos and craziness, we're supposed to slow down. The reason we're given four weeks is because God knows we need time to slow down. And so we are being called by God to slow down for something because the hectic pace of society has transformed this season into a money grab. And it's about the things and the stuff and the gifts and the events and all the things that are going on. Now, I'm not opposed to, um, well, the money grab I am, but I'm saying all the other stuff that we do, the traditions of our Christmas, the celebrations that we have, I'm not opposed to that. I want us to embrace it. However, at the same time, we do need to slow down a little bit and understand what this is all about. And the reason that we have an Advent season is to help us to be more intentional on our focus of Jesus. And sometimes, even in our Christian homes, it can get so crazy and so much going on in life that we forget that the whole reason for this season is Jesus. And we are supposed to be sharing that hope with the world and people that don't have that. And yet, sometimes we get sucked right into the craziness of the world and uh, we're just like so relieved when Christmas is over instead of the whole purpose, which is the hope that we never had any other way than through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this is a time that's been set aside by the church to help us be more intentional in our focus of Jesus in our lives and how we walk with him. And it's provided for us this amazing gift of love that God has birthed forth into the world where there was no hope. So 
it's time for us to be more intentional. So it's time for me and you to not only assess what we do during Christmas season, but this is a time for us to assess how we can incorporate Jesus more specifically in our hope of the season. Okay? So church, it's here that we should make a difference, possibly in our own walk with God, the changes that need to do something different. So here's the thing. I'm going to ask you, and I'm challenging you. I challenged the first service. I'm doing it with you guys right now, and I'm praying about this. I'm asking God to help me to do something different in my walk with him during this season that I've ever done before. And the reason is I want to experience him more in my life than I ever have before. I have not arrived, you have not arrived, we are being transformed into Christ-likeness, which is the reason why God saved us in the first place, is to transform us from the old sinful person into the new person that he died to make us, which is Christ-like, and therefore God wants to do something new. Since this season is Advent, and it's something that is looking forward to the hope that we have in Jesus, it's something that I want to take a hold of and say, God, what is it that you want to transform in me? Something new. Now, it could cause me to do something new in the traditions of my family. It could cause me to do something new just in my own personal spiritual disciplines. Whatever it is, church, God wants to do something new in your life. You do know that, right? I'm glad the 10 of you do know that. I'll pray for the rest of you as well. I want you to know God wants to do something new in your life. He gives us a hope in this walk that we have that is not available any other way. So, the whole purpose of this and the reason why it was established at the day of hope as we look forward is because the selection of the date, as you know, we not only have a hope because of what has happened in the first advent, but we have a hope of the second advent that is coming, which is the second coming of Christ. We all do know that, right? There is a second coming of Christ. Yes. yes. Okay. So, all right, let's just move along here. So the, res the reason for the selection of the day, we touched on this last week, but it's important that we do this again today. You see, the whole reason why this date of December 25th was the selection of the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ is because up to that point, the days get shorter and shorter and the darkness prevails over the light, right? Y'all do know that? It's like dark at like 530 now. Like, uh, I'm sitting there eating dinner, and I think it's bedtime. I look at the clock, and it's like 6.30, and I'm like, what in the world, man? You know, it's crazy. If you live back there in the Midwest where I grew up in Michigan, it's like you go to work in the dark, you come home in the dark, you have lunch in the dark almost. It's crazy. The darkness prevails, but something amazing happens. On December 25th, the days begin to get longer. Light begins to prevail over the darkness and the days begin to expand until you can see light for most of the hours like we want to have it and so as we look at that the date was picked that way because it was like light came into the darkness and hope was born that's why we have this Sunday it's hope we're building towards we're looking forward to the light coming because right now we're staying in the darkness. So it's symbolic as we look back in the past of how things were going on because church, in the very beginning when sin entered the world by Adam and Eve's choice, God gave us a free will. They chose wrong and the consequences of that choice have permeated all of creation as well as all humanity. Sin. God gave a promise. He would do something about it. 
Then God began to speak to the prophets. He selected Abraham and he said, through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. He promised that coming one, that Messiah, that Savior that would come into the world. God promised through the prophets as they spoke for generations. And we're talking about thousands of years, church, that there was a hope of something coming. Prophets preached about it. They spoke God's message saying he was coming. Eric, the beginning of our worship, he read that today where Isaiah spoke about the one that would come. And the people of Israel were celebrating and looking forward to it. But church, it was happening for thousands of years. Generations waited, waiting in hope for something that they did not realize. The hope that they desired was something that would bring them peace, joy, and love. And none of that was available before the Messiah came. Now, when we look at the context of God's word and what he says to us, he tells us that it is all found in him, right? So there's only a mirage of it. So these people were serving God to the best of their ability, but they were living in the darkness because light had not come into the world as of yet. But they had a hope and a promise that he was coming. So you see, when they selected this Sunday as the Sunday of hope, it was leading towards something. It was leading towards what Christ would bring to us, which would be peace, joy, and love. A true relationship with God born within us so that we could be reborn and made new the way God intended for us to live. So finally, church, when we look at this, those four themes of, of Advent, if you heard them from me, you're seeing. First is looking forward in hope. The next Sunday is peace. We have realizing now as we look back that peace is now available to us. There is joy in this relationship with God because of what Christ has done for us. And now we experience love for the first time in the creation. Since sin entered, do we now have the opportunity to experience true love? For love is God and God is love and it is not available any other way. So church, God's love was manifested in giving us a hope in Jesus Christ. So there you go with the four Sundays of Advent. And why we're celebrating today is because we, as a church, know they were waiting. How many enjoy waiting? You like it? You know, like, you can make an appointment with someone, and you're waiting. You can go to the doctor, and you like, you sign in, and you're like, I'm here, man, I've been here. I'm waiting. It's not one of my gifts. I'm just telling you right now, it's not. I'm not good at it. I try and be good at it, and I've had a lot of practice, and I'm like, you know, I've, it's one of the themes God's dealt with me throughout my life. I'm going to tell you I am better than I was, but I'm not good, all right? I'm not good at waiting. And so as I look at this, and I look at the Scripture, and I look at the promises of God, and I see this, and I see this theme of hope, and having walked with God for many years now, and I look at the Old Testament, and I'm like, oh, Lord, man, thank you, God, I live on this side of Calvary, on this side of the cross, the resurrection, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. So grateful for that. Because church, listen, they lived their entire lives waiting, hoping, and never realizing God's promise for themselves. So they were born in that hope, they died in that hope, and they died in that hope having never realized what you and I have. I mean, like you and I 
need to be celebrating incredibly that we have been blessed to experience and to live in the hope that God promised when sin entered the world and that we are here. So as we think about that and we look back now, we're talking about thousands of years waiting. As I said, I'm not good at that, right? I'm not good at it. And I look back at that and I see these people that did remain faithful throughout their lives, waiting and hoping. And generation after generation. So you know, our country is only a few hundred years old. And um, yet, it's existed my whole life, so it's like it's always been here. Now, I can read it in a book. I know it started in 1776. I know all the dates and the different, well, I don't know all the dates. I did know them. Uh, but anyway, you know, I know that stuff. But the fact of the matter is, see, I'm here, and it's now, and it's all happening. But these guys had their entire lifetimes and generations of telling their grandkids, he's coming. And then the next generation, these grandkids are now the grandparents, and they're saying, he's coming. And now these children are now the grandparents telling the grandkids, he's coming. You follow that? I mean, like, generation after generation. And in my human flesh, it's like, what were you waiting for? I don't mean that bad. I'm not questioning God. Do you understand what I mean, though? I'm like, why was it thousands of years before the promise came? And there was hope the entire time. And finally, light came into the darkness. And I want to read a verse to you right here. After those thousands of years of telling people, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. You think there might have been some doubters? Yeah. Okay, listen to Galatians 4. But when the right time came, God. <laughs> I know this is true. I know it's true for me. I'm always in a hurry and I'm trying to rush him along. And I think that it, today is better than tomorrow. And that if he would just do this, this, and this, all that could happen. And it could be happening now, and I could be experiencing it, God, and things could be great. And I'm, not, I'm talking about God stuff. I'm, I'm going to make everything I'm saying to you sound holy, right? It's not about me. God, it's about your kingdom. It's about the church. It's about new people, and it's about all these things. And for years, I was praying and believing God for stuff. I think I've shared this with you in the past. I'm talking about way back in my early ministry life back in Michigan, where I come from, I was preaching, pastoring my church, and, you know, like, I had a vision from God. I don't know if I was awake or dreaming. I don't know this. I just know I had a vision from God, and I know it was God, and he showed me something. I've written it down. So, because God showed me that, I'm like, that's happening. It's happening, and, of course, Dave's like, it's happening now. I'm expecting that to happen the very next Sunday at church, and I made the mistake of saying things about it to the people like, it's happening now. This is what's coming down. It didn't happen. And it didn't happen. And it didn't happen. And so, what would be my normal response? I'm like, okay, God, I'm not sure if that was you or not now. Because the feeling of God is no longer with me, and what I see is no change. But the vision was all about God changing things. And so I was like believing God for it, but then I began to doubt God for it. But I wasn't doubting God. I was doubting my ability to hear God. See, what God was birthing inside of me was a hope of God doing something. And so in my zeal, I tried to interpret it for him. 
And what he did was, again, see, when the right time came, God, God was like, I don't work on your schedule. <laughs> so several years passed. And in my private prayer time, I would talk to God, and I would say, hey, God, you know, I'm not sure about this. I believe you said this. I don't know what's wrong. And I was praying for the congregation. I want you to know, this was my congregation in Michigan, so it's not you guys, but I was praying for them. I'm like, God, whatever you need to do to them to make this happen, do it. And this day, in my prayer time, God said to me, it's not them, it's you. <laughs> I was blown away. I was. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I was totally like, how, why, what? I'm seeking you. I want this. You showed it to me. I pray for it daily. I'm like, God, do this. And so what do you mean? He's like, you're not ready. You're not ready. <laughs> this was back in 2003. And that day changed my life forever. Because what I realized was, you see, I had a hope in what God was going to do, but I was seeing it as what God was going to do in everyone else. And I was going to get to be a part of it by watching what God was doing and the different things that were happening. And God's intention was for it to happen in me. And so when I began to search and seek and began to seek God to transform who I was, how I pastored, how I led, how I was a husband, how I was a father, God began to show me things that were so jacked up inside of me that I didn't realize I wasn't that great of a husband. I wasn't that great of a father. I wasn't that great of a pastor. I wasn't that great of a Christian. I was serving him with all my heart, I thought, in the moment, you see? But God began to reveal things to me, and he was like, I have something more for you. And so what it did was it restored my hope. It did. Because then I realized God was doing something, no matter what it appeared to me or how I judged things in my appearance of how it didn't seem like God was doing amazing things, and it was in me. When... The right time came, God. Quickly wrap that story up for you. I came to the conclusion of my ministry in that church, as you know, because I'm here. And because I was there, I was like, Lord, that never happened. And I was like blown away again. I was just like, I was discouraged and thinking like I was trying to do everything you wanted me to do, but it didn't happen. And so remember this, I tried to interpret what God was saying for me there because I just assumed that the right time for God was my time, which is now, right? But it wasn't God's time. So I came here. God called us here. And as God called my wife and I here, and we were praying and, and doing things, and I just kind of surrendered that, and I was like, well, I guess... Uh, everyone has a free will, and something didn't work right there. I just accept it, and I let it go. And I was pastoring here, and I've been here, like, God, 18 and a half years, we've already been pastoring here, and it was in the first year afterwards that all of a sudden, God rekindled that thing inside of me, that very vision that I had. And, and as I saw that, I was like, uh, I don't understand. Why would I see that, like, in my heart? Like, I'm not saying I had a... TV screen in front of me, I said, like, in my heart, that welled up inside of me, and I was like, Lord, what is this? Church, I, I began to pray and seek him and say, what does this mean, Lord? He said, first off, I never said it was happening there. 
Second off, I never said you'd see it. I said, I'm going to do this. That's what I said. And I was like, I surrender. It's not about me. It's not about my time. But when the right time came, God, he's perfect. I know that you feel like things are delayed and things aren't happening the way you think they should and stuff just doesn't feel right, look right, or you're experiencing right and we're praying and we're believing God to do something and God's like, I'll do it. My time, my way, the God way. I'm so grateful that he doesn't do it Dave's way. You guys would be so jacked up. I would be so jacked up. If he did it Dave's way, seriously, in my time, you, you'd all be spinning because it would be happening constantly. It's like, you know, God's like, wait a minute. So let me read the rest of that verse. I already taken way too long here, but listen. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy for us who were slaves to the law. What? God sent them to buy freedom. Yeah. For us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Thank you, God. That's amazing. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Wow, it's amazing. See, this, this is church. Like when we're reading this, this is the reason this Sunday is called Hope. We have realized the hope of redemption. We've been adopted in the family of God because we've received Jesus Christ as our Savior. And because we received Jesus Christ as our Savior, God has planted himself inside of us. The Holy Spirit, God, lives in us. And now we are a family of God. We've been adopted and now he's our Father. We're no longer out there as orphans. We have a father, and it's God himself. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you're his child, God has made you his heir. Oh, thank you, Lord. Isn't that amazing? See that? Yeah, man, he's awesome. This is why the first Sunday of Advent celebrates hope. The long-awaited Messiah for generations anticipated in the darkness we, church, know he has come. See, that, that hope was history. We have a future hope, but church, that hope is history. Therefore, we realize what that hope meant. We see it clearly. We've experienced the hope, the realization of who the Savior is and the Messiah's plan, God's plan to come and be a human being and give his life for us. Defeat sin and death in the flesh. Resurrect. Ascend into heaven. Send the Holy Spirit. We know the whole picture. They didn't. They only had a hope. You and I know. You and I know what God was planning all along in the fullness of our salvation through Jesus Christ. Now we have a new hope. The world is lost. They have no hope. They're living in that darkness searching for hope. Do you know as you look around you, people are hopeless? They're putting their, their hope in things and stuff that will never satisfy. They come up empty in new relationships, in new careers, in new material possessions, in new everything, and it doesn't last. There's no hope there. Only in Jesus Christ is there hope. True hope and peace that God gives to us. That 
light came into that darkness, and we have experienced the light. Here's the word of God in John chapter 1. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Thank you, God. They are reborn. Not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Church, that's you and I. We have realized that hope. John the Baptist says, look, I'm telling you there's a light coming. I'm not it, but it's coming. He said, there is coming to you a light, a hope, an opportunity. And God provided that opportunity to me and you. We didn't deserve it. Why do we think we deserve all this? God provided this for us, and he gave us this opportunity, and Jesus came because he knew we needed to be reborn. Our first birth, our human flesh, born in the flesh, was born in sin. We talked a little bit about that last week, and so you don't have to teach a kid to do the right thing. We have to keep them from doing the wrong thing. That's why they learn the word no. We're telling them no all the time because they're always testing the boundaries. And so God says we need to be reborn. Because that that we were born in is sin. Every single one of us are born in sin, contaminated of all creation. Not only us and the human, but our whole planet and system has been touched and contaminated by sin. Now as we look, he says to us that you need to be now reborn, born again. So what happens is we are born of the Spirit now as God himself makes us new. That's why Jesus said you have to be born again if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. Not born of the flesh, but born of the Spirit because what's contaminated inside of us is the Spirit that God breathed into us that is eternal. Sin now lives in that Spirit and God created us with life. Therefore, God wants to give us the opportunity to be reborn so that he can breathe life back into us. Oh, so amazing. It's so beautiful. So see, this rebirth was to remove the barrier that sin created. We sang about that, right? See, it's, there's a barrier between us and God. And so this rebirth removes that barrier, which is sin, and allows us to have the relationship God had designed for us in the very beginning. Here's what it says in the Word of God, John 3. You know this scripture right here. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through Him. Church, we already know we were condemned. Remember, we knew we were broken. We needed help. God has provided that help in Jesus Christ. And that's what He tells us. He's not here to judge us or condemn us. We're already judged and condemned. He came to save us, to give us an opportunity, a rebirth, a restart, a new beginning. That's why he came. And then you read verse 18, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. 
All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do right, what is right, come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. That's the difference between our old self and the newly born self. That's the difference between people who are redeemed and have their hope restored in Jesus Christ and those who don't. So I talked about this in the other service and I'll share with you again. When someone's looking for a new home or a community to move into and trying to find out about it, it's like you can drive down the streets at noon and it can look like an amazing community. It's bright, light, nothing's happening, it's really quiet. The best time to check out that community is after dark. So we can drive through the very same streets we were driving through at noon, but do it at, now you can do it at 6 o'clock at night. It doesn't matter because it's dark by then. But I'm saying is you can drive through the darkness and all of a sudden that community is completely transformed. There's people in the streets, but they're not doing good things. There's stuff happening all around you that wasn't happening in the daylight. Why? God's word tells us. Because when they reject the light and their deeds are evil, they don't want to step into the light to be exposed. Criminal activity, the vast majority happens in the dark. Why? Because we love the darkness because we feel hidden. The light exposes us. Church, the reason why Jesus came was to expose the darkness. He has called us to step into the light. The Word of God just said that. Therefore, we are to step right out in the light so that people can see us, not hide. The church has been way too hidden for way too long. We've been staying back here in the shadows, not trying to make a scene or offend or be intrusive. And it's like God says, get out there, be in the light, be seen, and let the world know that you have a hope that they don't have. Church, we have a hope, and it's Jesus Christ. They don't have one. The world around us is hopeless, man. They keep looking for a politician to give us hope, looking for a new economy to give us hope, looking for this to give us hope. It's not going to be found there. Church, our only hope is Jesus, period. The Word of God says so. All right, understanding that you and I live in the light, as the Word of God has called us to, we have to realize that everything exposed, we are transparent before God, and we should be transparent before the people around us. I don't live different than I do right here on this platform. I want you to know that I don't. You can ask my wife. I tell people all the time, you can ask her anything you want to. You know, you can. Uh, we're not going to talk about our physical relationship. We made a covenant early on, just to be clear, that we wouldn't talk about that with anybody else. And if we had issues, we'd talk to a counselor, which, thank God, we haven't. But I'm just telling you that, I mean, I'm transparent with you. This is who I am, good, bad, or different. You know, like, you can pray for me, too. I understand that. I, I'm just saying, we have to live transparent and be, be real so that the light of Jesus Christ can shine through us and that people can see who God is in our lives. See, the people around us need to know him. And if they can't see him in us, and we look no different than the world, or when we go into certain communities, I step back over here in the shadows because I don't want to be offensive I don't want to be like in your face about anything. I want to kind of like be comfortably close to you because I want to be like relatable. Like, look at church. Jesus said, stay in the light. It's not about being relatable to them. The way that you can be relatable to them is you used to live that way. You don't live that way anymore. 
The fact of the matter is that I had no hope like you have no hope, and Jesus Christ has given me hope. Therefore, I don't live back there in the darkness anymore. I live in the light, and this is a glorious place to live. It's an amazing place to live. We can't hide in the shadows in certain situations or in certain groups or settings. Church, I've been a pastor for a long time, and a lot of congregations and people that I have pastored, and I know this happens, and I hope it's not you, and if it is, it's time to change. So we come into a time where our family visits from out of town. And uh, when they come to town, um, we don't go to church because they don't go to church. And so we're like trying to be accommodating to them and all this stuff. It's like church, they should expect you to go to church. If you're living for Christ, they should know you're living for Christ, and you should live that example before them and tell them, you can come with me or you can stay home, whatever you choose, but I'm not staying home. Because, see, we want to share the light of Jesus Christ. He is our hope. This isn't about just coming to church. You understand that? It's time that we spend in prayer and reading and the Bible and the Word of God, and we stay strong in our walk with God, even when our family that doesn't know Him is there, more so when they're there. Church, more so, we're supposed to be the light for them. We can't be hiding in the shadows in those situations. How is it that they would see you any different? Why would they put their hope in Jesus if they don't see it in you? I mean, how changed are you? Has God transformed you? Has he changed you? Do you not want them to know that? Man, we have family that are going to be coming to town for Christmas, don't you? I mean, maybe you're going to them. I don't care. Whatever it is, the light of Jesus Christ should be shining through you. And they need to see it. So, the thing that should grip our hearts right now is that we have friends and family that have no hope. And they have no future because they don't know Jesus. I mean, if that doesn't motivate us to help them because we know they're living in the darkness and we used to live that way, can't you at least share that with them? Like, you don't have to condemn them in the process. Just say, you know, I used to live in the darkness outside of Jesus, but I want you to know my life has completely changed since I knew him. I have been reborn and I'm made new. Now, you may see some of my old traits and you may just see me as your brother or your cousin or whatever you may see, but I want you to know I am not the same person. Church, then don't be that same person. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so they're going to know you're living in the light by your words, by your actions. They're affected by your relationship with God, right? I mean, it's biblical. Matthew 5. This is Jesus. Now, remember when we read the scriptures about John the Baptist, he said, I'm not the light, but I'm telling you the light is coming. Now, Jesus is teaching. He's the light. He's there. And he says this. He's talking to the people that would follow him. We are following Christ. And he says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. See, church, it's not about me and you. It's about God. And God has placed us with where we are so that we can be the light to those that are in darkness. You know that, right? 
So a lot of Christians are complaining about where I am right now, where, we, where I have to work, where I'm living. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be there. I don't want to do this. I don't. Hey, stop it. Are you following God? Is the Holy Spirit leading you in your life? Then God himself is taking you, knowing that you have a light inside of you that is Jesus Christ. And he set that lamp there in that darkness intentionally so that the light of Jesus Christ can be seen by those individuals around you that are living in the darkness. No complaining. Stop it. Your complaints are useless and futile, and they shouldn't be happening. If you're not following God, then by all means, surrender and get to where he wants you. But if you're following God, then maybe, just maybe, God knows what he's doing. Maybe. And that he has planted you there so that you can be that light that they need. Not so that they can praise you for the changes in your life, but so that they can see God did it. So what is happening in your life this week? This past week, what has happened in your life that has shown the light of Christ that is in you? Like, just think about it. So in the Bible studies that I have in the groups that we lead and stuff, one of the questions I always ask, accountability questions, did you just share Jesus with someone this week? And so in the very beginning, a lot of people didn't say yes. And I'm like, man, you know, church, this should be such a part of who we are that we have that opportunity to share him because if nothing else, people should ask us why we have hope, joy, peace, and love inside of us when the world is in a wreck. They should be asking you why it is that you seem to have a good attitude when everybody at work has a bad attitude. I'm just saying it's biblical, right? So we should have an opportunity to share Jesus regularly and consistently so what's he doing in you that the light is shining out of that gives glory to god the father what will you do this week that can share shine shine that light in some new capacity where you haven't been shining before what can you do this advent season maybe adding a new tradition shed new light on your friends and family as you celebrate jesus and his birth titus 2 for the grace of god has been revealed bringing salvation to all people. Church, please know this. Those people that you have written off, God has not written them off. Thank God. He said, I am bringing salvation to all people. It's available to everyone. And I want to remind you that you were probably written off by someone back there before you knew Jesus. I know I probably was. You were. I mean, they know you. They're like, yeah, no hope. I quit praying for them. Thank God he didn't give up on us. Bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Whew. See, church, see, this is the thing. We're supposed to be living different than the world. Why would they think we're in the light if we live no different than them, talk no different than them, go to the same places as they do, and act the same way they do? Why would they think we have hope for them? See, God's word says that we're supposed to turn away from godless living and sinful pleasures and live in the hope of Jesus Christ being reborn as a new person. I live a different way. And if I'm not living a different way, then I don't know the Savior that came to this world to give hope to this hopeless life. God's word says it. Not, this isn't Dave 
Listen, he tells us we should live in this world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. Oh, a second advent. Oh, so now we experience the same hope that they had in the Old Testament. Clearly, we see that hope revealed. But there is a second hope. That is the second advent, the second and final coming of Jesus Christ. And so we as people of God know that I'm going to face God because there is another return of Christ. Either I'm going to die to go and be with him or he's going to return and take me out. One way or the other, there is a hope that will be revealed through Jesus Christ. He gave, I'm reading the scriptures again, he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us very, his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. We are blessed to live in the hope realized, church. We are so blessed to live in this moment. And a result of living in this hope realized, we also live in the reality of that next hope. However, in the midst of that next hope, as we look, this life is not the end. It's not all of it. It's coming. You do know that, right? The fullness of our salvation will not be realized until the second advent, which is our hope in Jesus Christ, the fullness of our salvation. All that I am saying to you is biblical. Just read it in your Bible. God's word says the fullness of our salvation will be revealed then. Right now, we have a hope of that fullness. Okay, so let's just stay with this for just a minute. There is a, a hope that we see in the Old Testament where these guys were talking about it for generations, waiting for it, trying to interpret it. Remember how I was trying to interpret God's vision for me? So they were interpreting what they saw as the coming Messiah, and because they had created such a story from what they thought would happen, they missed Jesus when he came. And so I want to warn you, and me, that we don't create such a story of our own knowledge of the second coming of Christ in that hope that we screw it up and miss what God has planned for us right here and now. It's going to happen in God's perfect time, no matter what we think. So there was not a generation... From the time the apostles were standing there and Jesus ascended, there has not been a church generation that has not believed that Jesus returning in their generation. Read your Bible, read history. Throughout that moment, all of history to us is looking back to the ascension of Christ, Acts chapter 1. The disciples themselves were looking up. Jesus said, I'm going to come again. So they were still staring up in heaven thinking he was coming right back down. And that's why the angel told him, like, what are you doing looking up there? Go and wait for the promise, of the promise of the Father. In Galilee, go wait. God has a plan. See, how, it's that word wait again. He's like, get over there, just hang out. God will do his thing. So here it is. Every generation has been thinking it's their generation. Let's not get so hooked up in the fact that we think it's happening in our generation that we miss out on sharing the hope of Jesus Christ to this generation that needs to know him. Tell your kids and your grandkids. Share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to read to you in, Act, I mean, in Revelation chapter 22. This is Jesus speaking. Look, I am coming soon. 
You know, when this word was spoken and when John the Apostle recorded this was around 95 A.D. It's 2023 right now. You know that, right? I mean, we're there. So as we look back, you know, we're, we're in that 2,000-year range of when Jesus saying, I'm coming soon. Remember, God doesn't have the same clock as us. He's not bound by time. We are. He doesn't have a clock over his head winding down. You and I do. God is limitless and timeless. He's eternal. And Jesus said, I'm coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. Oh, church, that means our actions matter. Living for Christ, in Christ, in the moment matters. And he is watching and recording you and I. And he tells us he's going to reward us accordingly. Well, I want to live my life in such a way that he would be proud of me. That his reward for me would be great. Church, I mean, it's like it's all about him. Listen to what he says. I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's saying like, I'm it. I'm everything. The first letter of the alphabet to the last. I started everything. I will be there when it all ends. He's it. And so as we think about this, he's like, look, I'm coming soon, and it's all about me. If your life isn't all about Jesus, then there's moments of surrender you still need. Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers, and all who live love to live a lie. Hmm, are you going to make it? I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright and morning star. He is the light of the world, man. God's word tells us this, right? So here's the last thing he says right here in chapter 22. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. So there is this invitation by Jesus Christ saying, look, it's a day that it's going to come to an end. The second advent of Christ is coming. Hope right now is that you will get right and invite everyone to get right so that we're ready when he comes. There's an invitation that has been extended, church, and we need to extend that invitation to our friends and to our family who are living in darkness looking for hope. Here's your action steps. Have you personally experienced the hope of your salvation? See, the Word of God tells us that He places His Spirit inside of us so that we can say, Abba, Father, Dad, Father, I am yours. I'm no longer out there as an orphan I'm not a slave to sin. You've redeemed me, bought me, and called me your own. I now have a relationship with you. How could you not have hope if you've experienced that in your own life? Oh, he's amazing. Second one, how are you living the hope today, shining the light of Jesus for all to see? How is that being reflected in your life? Monday through Saturday, how is the hope of the world being seen in your life, shining out to the people around you that are in darkness. Third one, what can you do this week to increase that light in you? 
Hmm. Are you ready for the second advent? Jesus is coming. He is coming, church. We're either going to meet him on our own when we, like, take our last breath, or he's going to just show up unexpectedly and say, hey, come here. He's coming. Are you ready? Would you stand with me? The altar's always open. If the Spirit of God is speaking to you, please come. The Spirit says come. The invitation is to come. God wants you to come to him today to realize the hope that is available to us through Jesus Christ our Lord. He loves you. He loves you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your faithfulness to us. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Thank you that we know the hope realized in Jesus Christ. For we have been reborn, made new. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Help us to own what you want to do in us. To share the light of Jesus Christ to those around us. The world that is in darkness, that they might see you in us, Lord. We ask this in your holy name. The name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Church, you're dismissed. Thanks so much for being here today. If you need to pray, come join us in prayer. May God bless you. Have an amazing day with them. Love you.